It's Unleashed, episode 33 for Friday, October 28th, 2022. 49ers preview edition. Can the 49ers write their season at the Rams' expense again? Jimmy Ward is hissed, but it's not as big as what the story has become. The other Jimmy is, well, Jimmy, deal with it, and this will help. How did they use McCaffrey this week? Offense, defense, a full preview, plus an injury that you're not going to like to hear about. Let's go. What's happening? Thanks for joining us. Friday, you made it. October 28th, 2022. It is episode 33. I have a funny 33 story I'll tell you in just a second once we get going. Uh, thanks for making Unleashed Barrier Sports Talk with me, John Lund from KMBR Radio in San Francisco. Your first stop each morning for Barrier Sports Talk, Giants, Warriors, 49ers, all this stuff. Please listen and subscribe where you get your favorite podcasts. You're already listening, so please subscribe where you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to me in my day job, KNBR Radio in San Francisco, KNBR 680 in the Bay, or if you're not around here, just go to KNBR.com. You can listen to the stream. Uh, by the way, we're finishing up the studio at the house, so uh, the YouTube channel, that's going to launch in the uh, next 10 days. We have all the graphics and everything's ready to go. I'm just waiting for the guys to finish up the studio for me uh, right outside of my house, so uh, we'll get that going for you. And uh, I'll be on pre-half and post for the 49ers this weekend against the Rams in L.A., so make sure you tune into the 49ers radio network. We have a ton to get to today. By the way, I, I got to tell this story really quickly just because as I was uh, thinking about and writing the episode today, I thought of 33, which if you're of a certain age, you remember 33 is Tony Dorsett. There's a lot of 33s, Roger Craig, et cetera, down the line. But I was thinking of Tony Dorsett because early in my career, the former Dallas Cowboys running back who uh, went up against the 49ers a fair number of times, and um, – you don't want to ever meet your idols because they'll always let you down. And I remember, like I said, early in my career, and it was when the um, erectile dysfunction uh, pills were just coming out, and Tony comes walking in, and, and, you know, they're always promoting stuff. And we're talking a little bit, and his promotion people hand me a pen, and it was a pen, and you hit this button, and the pen kind of, you know, went over like it was, you know, it went up. Let's just say that. And so I'm sitting there, and all I could think of during the entire interview with Tony Dorsett, I was excited because I had heard, you know, 33's coming in. Tony Dorsett's coming in. This is going to be really cool. It's going to be a great interview. And all I could think of was this pen, and that Tony Dorsett must not have saved his money because he just had this look on his face. And I think it was Levitra, now that I think about it. Not that that matters. but uh, And I was just sitting there looking at Tony going, Tony, how could you do this? How could you be doing Levitra and these pens, and you're an idol of mine? Anyway. It's episode 33, and that came to mind. That's just me. All right, let's get going. If you're new to the podcast, thank you so much for making the time. <laughs> I promise we'll get to a bunch of good stuff. Uh, we'll, uh, we've got a lot of good things on the uh, podcast today. Like I said, a full preview of 49ers and Rams, and this is a massive one. Uh, they would fall to 3-5. and five. Yes, they came back from 3-5 and five last year, but uh, I wouldn't recommend it every single year. And they have... Uh, one at the Rams' expense. I know they didn't win the big one last year to go to the Super Bowl, but it's seven in a row during the regular season, including a great one last year to get into the playoffs. I was in uh, L.A. and uh, covering the game at SoFi Stadium last year for that one. And, uh, of course, last year coming back from three and five on Monday Night Football at the Rams' expense. So they have had a lot of success against the Rams. And hopefully three and four is enough. They can get things rolling. Schedule is not as daunting as maybe we first thought. So we'll get into all those things. Let's do it. We always start off with the leadoff spot, which is the big story of the day. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent 
and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. I'm just going to do what the coaches tell me to do. Um, my last year on contract, I, I'm just trying to be a great team player. Going going back there, does it feel comfortable? Or I mean, it's been a while since, since you've done it. It's been a while since I've even been on the field. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. It's a challenge, man. Like I said, it's a challenge. Maybe if I was at safety, I don't know. Probably would have been a challenge, too. I, I just got to figure it out. I don't have any excuses for anything. I just got to go out there and I just got to go and play. Like I can't, can't hope for anything, can't wish, you know, I didn't have a club, can't wish I was back at safety. So I go out there and play, man. I don't have room to, to hope or, or wish and this and this and that. I just got to go out there and give it my all. So that is Jimmy Ward and the quote that is making the rounds and all the radio shows we're talking about and everybody's writing about and tweeting about and going crazy about is at the beginning there where Jimmy Ward said, I'm just going to do what the coaches tell me. This is the last year of my contract. Uh, Here's the exact quote. I don't know, man. I'm just going to do what the coaches tell me to do. It's my last year on the contract. I'm just trying to be a great team player. So everybody assumes that Jimmy's pissed and that Jimmy's going to leave. He's the longest tenured 49er. And I'll give you a little history on, on Jimmy Ward and myself. First of all, now I'm an absolute huge Jimmy Ward fan. Uh, I've interviewed him on numerous occasions, training camp, sat down with him in person. He's an awesome guy. Uh, if you know anything about the 49ers, he's a pretty good quote machine as well. He's vastly underrated in that way. And he came out of Northern Illinois as a first-round pick, and no one knew if he was a safety or a corner. And he had so many injuries every single year. It was like he was made out of glass or porcelain. And I got down on Jimmy Ward. I was like, come on, I don't even know if this guy can play, and he's always hurt. Just get rid of this guy. He's a first-round bust. Let's just get rid of him. Well, finally last season, and this is where I think the frustration for Jimmy Ward comes in, he's named in the on the NFL Network's Top 100. Not that that's a big deal. He was 95, but he, he's getting recognition. People are seeing how good he is. Uh, I've certainly flipped now that he's able to stay healthy, and I realize that health – a lot of times is not in a player's control, although I've talked to enough players to where there is a method to the madness of staying healthy, being able to fall the right way and not get hurt, and some guys just don't know how to do it. There is a skill to it. People get upset, players get upset when you say somebody's injury prone, but it just means a lot of times that, you know, you don't know how to avoid the pile or avoid the hit or avoid the, you know, whatever it is that gets you injured, and Jimmy Ward seems to be one of those kind of players, unfortunately, but a lot of them are, you know, muscle injuries and everything, and again, I I don't know enough, enough about those injuries to say that whether they could be avoided or not. Muscle injuries don't seem to be for me. I don't know if it's stretching or not, you know, whatever the case may be. Bottom line is I've become a really big Jimmy Ward guy, and I realize what he brings to the table and how important he is. Now, that's not the story, but I just wanted to give you a little background. Jimmy Ward is extremely important to what the 49ers do, and he's frustrated that he has to go down and play in the slot again like he did against Kansas City because, first of all, Kansas City's got a lot of good guys in the slot. They're targeting the slot. They know Jimmy hasn't played but one play. He was out for the first four games on the physically unable to perform list. Comes back for one play against Carolina, breaks his hand, and now with a big club on his hand, he has to play a position. He's normally the uh, a safety for the 49ers, a free safety for the 49ers, great at that position, played it now finally for a number of years after being shuttled between outside corner, nickel, and safety. And now he's back at inside corner, back at uh, back at nickel, where there's a lot of things that have to be happening for you. It's become one of the most important positions defensively on the field. And now he's got a club on his hand going, really? Against Kansas City? 
And now this week he's got to go in there and take on Cooper Cup. And he's like, really? But maybe you didn't know this, but outside of Shavarius Ward, he's the best cor- uh, cover player on the 49ers. And the most important position against the Rams this weekend is wherever Cooper Cup is. And Cooper Cup is going to be in the slot a lot. So it's a compliment to Jimmy Ward that they want to put him in the slot. Not Demo Lenore, a second-year player out of Oregon. Not Samuel Womack, a rookie who was great in preseason but hasn't been since. Uh, he can't put Ambry Thomas in there. So your best bet by a mile is Jimmy Ward. And I get it. He's not happy about it. But the quote, as I said, I don't know, man. I'm just going to do what the coaches tell me to do. It's my last year on the contract. That has everybody speculating that there's a problem in the locker room and speculating that Jimmy Ward wants to leave and all these kind of things. Here's the bottom line. And we all know this. But as a media, we try to blow it up. They're three and four. They're frustrated. Of course they're frustrated. And not only are they three and four, they got smoked by Atlanta. It wasn't even close. They got crushed by the, the Chiefs in the second half, 30 to 10. By the end of it, it wasn't even close. Now, the, the score is, in, is not indicative of what the game was. But at the end of the day, the, the score is the score, and they got beat by three touchdowns. They had opportunities. We talked earlier in the week. It was 21-16 at one point. It was 28-23 at one point. They had opportunities in the second half to make plays. They just didn't make them. So this is a frustrated locker room because there are expectations. This team is expected to contend for a Super Bowl, and they're sitting here at three and four. Regardless, the NFC West is a winnable division. They've got everything in front of them. And last year, this very team, the Rams, 49ers were sitting at three and five. On a Monday night, they beat the Rams, and it jump-started them to the NFC Championship game, and they beat the Rams twice during the regular season. Well, they've already taken care of them once, 24-9, to with their same old formula, run the ball, be physical, beat up the Rams. And we're going to get into fixes in just a second. I'm not sure they can use that same game plan today, offense, or excuse me, on Sunday, offensively or defensively. But I just wanted to start with Jimmy Ward. I'm not saying he's not frustrated, but what I am saying is, is these things happen. And I'm not thinking that Jimmy Ward wants to leave, and I'm not thinking that you know, Jimmy, Jimmy Ward is anything other than frustrated due to the fact that he has to go back down into the slot. But if you look at the, the setup of the secondary, Deshaun Gibson's playing well at his, at his old safety position. Talanoa Hufunga's not going anywhere. Shavarius Ward wasn't good against Kansas City last week, but he's going to be better against the Rams. And the guys that you do have in Demo Lenore and Ambry Thomas are better outside than inside. And the best player for the Rams is Cooper Cup, who's in the slot. And they're more comfortable putting you, their best cover guy in the slot, against Cooper Cup. It's as simple as that. So the media can blow this out of proportion and, and think that it's it's something other than it's not. It's pure frustration on the part of the team. It's pure frustration on the part of Jimmy Ward. He will do this. It won't have an effect on his contract negotiations, and hopefully they bring him back because not only is he one of their better players on the field, he's one of their leaders off the field. I think a lot of people didn't know that. Plus, he's one of the best interviews on the team. So selfishly, I want Jimmy Ward around. All right, I'll call that the lead, and let's get to some offensive fixes to start. Gonna throw it. Blitz is coming. Garoppolo in trouble. Throws it up for grabs, and it's intercepted. Joshua Williams. Oh my goodness! Garoppolo threw it up there, and Williams, the rookie, his interception, the first in the NFL, and a big one. It stops the 49ers' drive. All right, that was last week. Kevin Burkhardt is, of course, the 49ers lost to the Chiefs 44-23. That was right before the half. Chiefs had a 14-13 lead, and Jimmy blew an opportunity to at least get three points, if not a touchdown. Jeff Wilson Jr. is running what's called an arrow route. Uh, it means you you come out of the backfield, you pop to your right, you cut short, uh, cut sharply back to the left, 
It was a play that a few years ago they beat the Arizona Cardinals with from the other side of the field, and Chandler Jones was covering them. At least Chandler Jones was covering. No one was covering Jeff Wilson Jr. And not to get too complicated, but it's called a zero blitz where everybody, they're bringing the house on the blitz. And what Jimmy's supposed to do there is see his check down, which was Jeff Wilson Jr. He didn't ever look at the check down. Uh, George Kittle was double covered. There was a bunch of Kansas City Chiefs over on the left side of the field. And as you heard Burkhart call, uh, it was an interception. He just threw it up. What you're supposed to do is, A, find Jeff Wilson Jr. your check down against a zero blitz, or you're supposed to just throw that ball away, live for another day, at least get the field goal, 16-14, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of problems in those last couple of minutes. Debo got went out of bounds. They should have been driving the clock down. Anyway, it was part of a major issue for the 49ers. But let me just put it like this as we talk about offenses fixes first against the Rams. Jimmy's Jimmy. This time I'm talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. Let's stop bitching about it. He's probably the best backup in the league. And if you do yourself a favor and think of Jimmy Garoppolo like that and not the starter from the last number of years – I don't know if it's going to make you feel better, but we're grading on a curve here. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But think of him like that versus other backups because he's a fringe starter slash backup in the league. So grade him on a curve with Cooper Rush and Jacoby Brissett and Bailey Zappi and not Rodgers and Brady and Mahomes, although Rodgers and Brady aren't themselves either. But you get the idea. The top quarterbacks in the league, he's in the 20s. He's probably the 20th, 22nd, 23rd best quarterback in the league. So if you compare him to those guys – and in that realm, you're going to be disappointed. He's a backup quarterback at this point of his league of his career. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has a lot of assets that you like in your quarterback. He he's tough. He guys like him in the locker room. He's a leader. He's got a quick release. But the problems with Jimmy Garoppolo are illustrated right there. He's a slow processor in a league that is increasingly faster and faster. So Jimmy right there is looking at George Kittle and like a young quarterback. And he's not going to change at this point of his career. He tends to lock on receivers at times. He locked on George Kittle there. He locked on uh, receivers in the Denver game to throw interceptions. That's just what he does. And offensively, we'll get into this in a second, he tends to, and remember Bill Walsh would, would script the plays. Kyle Shanahan scripts the same plays, first 15. And it seems like the 49ers offense early in a game really hums. They were up 10 nothing on the Chiefs after getting a turnover. They got a field goal and a touchdown. They're up 10 nothing. They're rolling, and then... <laughs> That's what the offense tends to do. Did it last year in the playoffs against Dallas. Did it in Green Bay. The weather, they got one late. The thing that Jimmy tends to do when they win is just enough early to get some points on the board on the scripted plays. And then if you need uh, if you need to come back, Jimmy's pretty good at getting you in field goal, goal position or potentially a touchdown to make a play late. That's what he's done throughout his career as a 49er. Now, has he not done that sometimes? Sure. Last year in the NFC Championship game against the Rams, famously in the Super Bowl against Kansas City, but by and large, Jimmy Garoppolo just does enough to win. They run the ball. They play defense. And when Jimmy doesn't screw it up, the 49ers tend to win games. But I'm just saying you might help yourself out or your sanity or your uh, your anger issues on Jimmy Garoppolo if you just think of him as what he is. You don't comp him to the best quarterbacks in the league. You comp him to the backups in the league. And he's one of the best backups. They wanted to start Trey Lance, and I don't know what Trey Lance is, but they wanted Jimmy Garoppolo to be a backup. Even with his shoulder injury, you saw Drew Brees years ago, injured quarterbacks. If you can play, a team will still take you. And Jimmy Garoppolo's injury, and everybody knew it around the league, well, it was annoying because he couldn't be with your team in the offseason workouts, and that was the majority of the teams that were interested in him. I'll give you Indianapolis, for example, who's already benched Matt Ryan. Uh, we talked to a lot of teams throughout the process on our radio show on KNBR, which you can catch weekdays 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. in the Bay Area. 
KNBR.com. Uh, we talked to a lot of teams. They said, well, they're upset because they can't have Jimmy Garoppolo in the in the program, and he's not he's not with his teammates. But if you're that good, they'll say, you know what, it's all right. He'll catch up. He didn't have any interest. There's a reason why Jimmy Garoppolo came back, and I'm not mad about Jimmy Garoppolo. This is another thing that will make you feel better about yourself. He is what he is. He's got a quick release. He's going to make mistakes. He doesn't process it really really quickly. He's a great leader. Guys love him. I love him. I love uh, talking to Jimmy. He's a great guy. But I know what Jimmy is, so I don't get angry. I just hope that he doesn't make that critical mistake. And in the losses this year, that's what he's done. All right, so offensively, as we look at offensive fixes here prior to the Rams game for episode 33, Friday, October 28th, 2022, it is Unleashed with me, John Lund, from KBR Radio in San Francisco. Thanks for hanging out today. We appreciate it. Here's the issue. I was just telling you about Jimmy Garoppolo and the offensive issues after the scripted plays. So the 49ers in the first half of games, they averaged 13.1 points per game in the first half, which is 10th in the league. So they're top 10. Offensively, they're top 10 as far as scoring points, and that's all I care about. I don't care about yards and all this other stuff. I care about how much you score. So they score 13.1 points per game in the first half of games. They score 7.6 points per game in the second half of games which is 26th in the league, and they score 1.9 points per game in the third quarter, and only Minnesota and Denver are worse. So in other words, when you come out out uh, out of the locker room and you've made adjustments, the 49ers are averaging less than two points per game in the third quarter of games this year. So, for example, in losses to Chicago, outscored in the second half 19 to 3. Lost to Denver, outscored in the second half 8 to 3. Lost to Atlanta, outscored 7-0. Lost to Kansas City, outscored 30-10. So in their four losses, the 49ers have been outscored in the second half of games 64-16. Impress your friends with that. And even in the games they won, Seattle, second half, tied 7-7. Rams won the second half 10-3. And Carolina won that second half 20-12 in that win. All season long, in the second half of games, count all the games, They've been outscored 86-53 in the second half, and in the third quarter all season long, they've been outscored by opponents 49-13. to So the second half is an issue, and if they're going to beat the Rams, they've got to remedy that situation. You cannot score basically no points in the third quarter of a game. We're going to play the third quarter, and we're not going to score any points. And then you get outscored in the fourth quarter as well. Kansas City is a perfect example of it. Atlanta is a perfect example. They scored no second-half points in Atlanta and they got trucked 30-10 to 10 by Kansas City in the second half last time out. So the last two, and this is where I go back to the frustrations, they've been terrible offensively. Now, is all that Jimmy Garoppolo's fault? No. We lay too much to the feet uh, of a quarterback, the blame, and we give him too much praise when they win. But Jimmy handles the ball every single play. He's the decision maker, so it does fall at his feet. It's why generally quarterbacks make so much money because they're the CEO of the team, and when the team struggles, especially on that side of the ball – we look at the quarterback. So the quarterback's to blame, Kyle's to blame, adjustments. If you're coming out in the third quarter and not scoring, then you're getting out coached to an extent. I mean, I'm not saying that that's always the case, but as a general rule, if you're not doing anything in the third quarter, you just went in the locker room and made adjustments, looked at the film, looked at the tape, talked to guys, let's do this, this, and this. These are our adjustments. And in the third quarter, you stink. One of the offensive fixes, so let's move to offensive fixes. First of all, this is one offensive fix they need to do to beat the Rams because Christian McCaffrey just saw him. 
16 yards, and that was a little toss to McCaffrey. Short toss to McCaffrey here to the 35-yard line. He'll turn the oh. corner, and McCaffrey oh. down the sideline. Christian McCaffrey inside the 30, cuts it back inside the 20, and Jalen Ramsey brings him down, and he makes a huge play here of 49 yards. All right, that was a couple of weeks ago. Christian McCaffrey to me, and I'll tell you why this is much more important in just a second due to injuries. But Christian McCaffrey needs, I think, 25, maybe even 30 touches in this game. Uh, against the uh, Rams a couple of weeks ago, he had 13 for 69 running the football, and he had seven for 89, including that 49er, uh, that 49-yarder. You just heard 49er, 49-yarder. You just heard uh, that was a catch and run. So 158 total yards on 18 touches for Christian McCaffrey. Excuse me, on 20 touches, 13 runs, seven catches. So 20 touches, 158 yards for Christian McCaffrey. It, I don't think, and I'm recording this Friday, I don't think that Debo Samuel is going to play in this game. So, it, you know, it, the original thought, and this is typical of the 49ers over the last number of years, add a piece, remove a piece, add a piece, remove a piece. But I don't think Debo Samuel is going to play in this game. So you, you, the whole point of getting McCaffrey was, man, look at all these weapons. You got Ayuk, and you got Debo, and you got McCaffrey, and you got Kittle. And you got Jennings and you got Juszczyk. Well, Juszczyk's got a broken finger, and he's not playing in this game. And it sounds like the hamstring's going to keep Debo Samuel out of the game, so it's going to be Christian McCaffrey or bust offensively for the 49ers. So he needs to get, I think, 25 carries. I think he needs to get over 200 yards of total offense. They need to be really creative in getting Christian McCaffrey the ball. Uh, it, along those same lines, Brandon Ayuk, every time he touches the ball, is magic. A couple of weeks ago against Atlanta, he had two touchdowns. It's time to break Bre uh, Brandon Ayuk out. Now, it's going to help that Debo's out in terms of getting him the ball more, but I think he can run it. He can catch it. He's he's burning guys. He's blocking. He's doing everything you want. I think Brandon Ayuk is a Pro Bowl-type receiver and just hasn't gotten the ball enough. He's doing it in all assets of the game. Another offensive fix for the 49ers against the Rams, they got to stick with the run. Um I admire Atlanta because I don't know if Atlanta's going anywhere and the NFC South is really bad, so maybe they are. But it doesn't matter the score. They were down a couple of weeks ago. Was it this weekend? Uh, no, a couple of weeks ago, uh, the game before the 49ers, and they stick to the run. It doesn't matter. They were down 21 nothing to the to the Bucks, and they got back into the game because they just wanted to run the football. Uh, on the season for the 49ers, they have 225 passes and 189 runs. So that split is 54% pass, 46% run. That's not the 49ers. The 49ers in their Super Bowl year in 2019, 49% pass, 51% run. Uh, they attempt 32 passes per game in 2019 when they went to the Super Bowl was 28. Now, it doesn't sound like a lot, 5% more passing than running. That's a ton. Um, four more passes doesn't seem like a lot. But when Kyle Shanahan is 30 or more rushes in a game, he's 23-2 and uh, two in his career. That's the key number for the 49ers. They've got to control, and this is what running does. Tires out the other team, controls the clock. Especially, it 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 also establishes your physicality and your dominance, and that's how they've beaten the Rams over these years: is keeping the football away from the Rams' offense, establishing the physicality, uh, establishing the manhood that that they're the more physical team. And when the Rams beat the 49ers, they had practiced in pads that week and really had emphasized the physicality and did out-physical and outrun and outplay the 49ers. Even though the 49ers had that lead going into the fourth, it was more a Rams-style game than it was a 49ers-style game. So they need to get back to what they do. So those are your offensive fixes. Jimmy's Jimmy. Deal with it. Don't make any mistakes, though, Jimmy. Get McCaffrey a lot of touches because I don't think Debo's going to play. More Ayuk. 
and get back to the team in 2019 that went to the Super Bowl, and that is run the ball over 30 times per game. They have not stuck to the run in these games. They didn't do it against Kansas City. I realize they fell behind, but I'm talking about before the avalanche hit. And against Atlanta, too, they had opportunities to run the ball, and I think they um, they abandoned the run too quickly. So those are your offensive fixes for the 49ers. Let's get over to the defense. I'm seeing the same thing. Yeah, he gets a lot of option routes. Like somehow they create a lot of option routes for him, whether that's in the backfield. And the thing about it, uh, Matt Stafford should have a lot of more sacks because if he doesn't get open, you know, defensive because he stays on it. I got a, you know, I got a love connection going on. There. <laughs> That's Jimmy Ward again. He says that uh, Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford have a love connection going on right there. He said he stays on him, uh, and then you can get to him. If you cover Cooper Cup really well, then you can sack him because he's just going to stay on Cooper Cup. And this season, it's been more pronounced than ever. They just they don't have an OBJ opposite him. They don't have a Robert Woods opposite him. Uh, they don't have a running game. Uh, they have the fewest rush attempts per game at 21 per game. Do the Rams, and I realize, you know, they're – generally a passing team, but they've got to have balance. They run, he and Kyle, obviously, Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan run the same offense, so they want to be able to run the football, but they just haven't been able to. Cam Akers, a former second-round pick, who I thought uh, was going to be a problem for the 49ers for years, has fallen out of favor. He hasn't been the same since his Achilles injury. Daryl Henderson is there. They just haven't gotten the production, and again, as of this recording on a Friday, they haven't made a trade, and it would probably be too late at this point to get that person in, although Christian McCaffrey came in on a Friday morning with the 49ers, and he was able to play some plays, so who knows. But there are a lot of rumors that the Rams are trying to get a running back, although their major problems are their offensive line, and that's where everything starts as we look at the defensive fixes. Other guys not named Nick Bosa and not wearing 97 have to be a lot better because what happened in the Kansas City game is something that has been happening the last uh, few games to Nick Bosa, which is all these different looks and chips and, and not blocking him and all, all these different things just to confuse Nick Bosa running away from him, running towards him. And it's all designed to slow down or stop or make Nick Bosa think, and that's what's happening. He's not using his natural abilities as much because Samson Ebukam opposite him is not respected. Uh, Hassan Ridgeway is a nice player, but he should be playing 20, 25 snaps a game. He's having to play more without Eric Armstead and Javon Kinlaw. And Kevin Givens is an undersized defensive tackle who I really like, but like Ridgeway, he's better utilized in a certain role, and he gets wore down. He's about six, uh, six foot, six one, two eighty five. He gets worn down if he has to play too many snaps, and that's what's happening to the 49ers. So people aren't respecting. They're grinding down. They're running the football. They're grinding down the interior, the 49ers defensive line, because they don't have the depth inside that they've had. And then opposite – Nick Bosa, Charles Amenihu has shown flashes at times, but other than him, they just don't respect anything. So the entire game plan defensively is to confuse, tire out, make him think as far as Nick Bosa, and you could tell in the postgame last week that Nick was frustrated. So first and foremost, as you just heard Jimmy Ward say, they've got to get to the quarterback, but it can't be all Nick Bosa because the Rams are going to do the same things. Now, I don't know if the Rams are capable because the number one problem for the Rams this year has not been skill players. It's been the offensive line. Now, they get their center, Brian Allen, back this week, so it should help them. But they have uh, Alaric Jackson, their left tackle, a kid out of Iowa that they took late rounds who's been playing inside, is going to be their third tackle now that they've used outside. Joe uh, Noteboom is out for the year. Uh, Obviously, Andrew Whitworth is doing Thursday night football, so they have an issue there. 
and the interior of the offensive line, other than Brian Allen, is banged up as well. So they got to take advantage of the offensive line of the Rams. Other teams have. He's going to lock on to Cooper Cup is Matthew Stafford, and you have to have Jimmy Ward out there, and that's why Jimmy's so important from earlier on in the podcast. And they've got to get pressure on Matthew Stafford, just like they needed to get pressure on on uh, Patrick Mahomes, but they did not. So that's number one as far as a defensive fix, and it's Ward versus Cup. And I said that earlier, but I just want to reiterate it. Get pressure on Stafford. Defensive line has got to be much better. That's always been the lifeblood of a 49ers defense over the last number of years, and Cup on Ward is the huge huge matchup and that's I know Jimmy's frustrated by that as we said earlier on in the podcast but that's got to be the main matchup and Jimmy's got to win it uh, forcing turnovers they have not lost a game this season the 49ers when they have lost the turnover battle they have not won a game in which they lost the turnover battle so it's as simple as that now I've talked about this many times in the podcast because it's that important 83 percent of the time when a team wins a turnover battle even by one they win if they win it by two, they win it 90% of the time. If they win it by three, they win it 96% of the time. Turnovers are massive, and the 49ers have gotten them in one and not gotten them in lost. They lost the turnover battle 3-2 to Kansas City. When they were winning the game 10 nothing. they were up on the turnovers 2 nothing, and then they gave away three, and they got bombarded. So it's pretty simple on that. And the last defensive fix is Fred Warner. And as great as Fred Warner is, Word is paralysis, or term is paralysis by analysis. He was slow to react against Kansas City. They threw some things with Travis Kelsey at him. Uh, He was slow to react. They made some plays in the screen game, run game, where Fred Warner should have been and wasn't because, as Tim Ryan likes to say, uh, see a little, see a lot, see a lot, see nothing. And it took me a minute to realize that. But what you're saying is don't overthink it. That's what that term means, that if you're seeing too much, you're trying to do too much. And that was the word on Fred Warner against Kansas City. So simplify it. Fred sometimes can be too smart. Fred sometimes can study too much. And we kind of know that feeling. Well, I don't. I was crammed at the end. But uh, that's the story there. So defensive fixes. Get to Matthew Stafford. Defensive line, which is the lifeblood, has to be a lot better. Ward versus Cup. I know Jimmy Ward is frustrated there, but it's a compliment that they put you there. The turnover battle, uh, help for Nick, and Fred Warner, no more paralysis by analysis. And that uh, those are your offensive and defensive fixes for the 49ers against the Rams. And I've got one thing. I, 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 want, I wasn't sure I was going to do a one for the road, but I just want to do a quick one, all right? So let's, it's not all 49ers. I realize it is a Friday and we're analyzing everything for the 49ers. But I wanted to do this. I guess I could have done it next week, but I do want to stick a one for the road in here. Let's do it. It's time for one for the road. control in that offensive line this is what it's all about I mean the the, the front seven the line and the linebackers of the 49ers just Whoa. whipped this Ram offense oh here comes an airplane Ooh, Angel. holy moly you see that they just flew right up. holy moly what the heck was that the Blue Angel but they were close I mean they were close. you're not supposed to get that close are you do they know what they're doing yeah, well I hope so <laughs> that is the gold standard for broadcasters. I maybe I'm biased. I am biased. I grew up with uh, Summerall and Madden. Uh I for years uh I worked in Dallas and I, I was uh, fortunate enough to meet and work with uh, Pat Summerall on on some pre and post game shows. So I'm a big fan and then everybody's a big fan of John Madden. I live in Northern California. He lived in Pleasanton. 
uh, had a chance to interact with him on a few occasions uh, as good as advertised. So that is the that is the gold standard to me for NFL broadcasters. And I thought it was a good time about seven, eight weeks into this thing because there was so much discussion. And I love talking about broadcasters and what, who people like and who they don't. So at John Lund Radio, this is completely my opinion on this. And I'd love to get your feedback on it and read some of the best ones uh, next week on the podcast. But because there was so much... Uh, broadcaster roulette going on or broadcaster musical chairs, I guess I should say. I wanted to kind of check in with everybody and and see what you think. Um, My general thought so far is underwhelmed. Uh, Buck and Aikman, I think Aikman seems bored. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, Al Michaels was better with Chris Collinsworth. I wish that they would just be there. Uh, Kirk Herbstreet, I think, is one year in the booth. I just can't get past it, and this is a me problem, not a him problem. Uh, He's a college guy to me, and he seems intimidated by Al Michaels. Uh, the Fox uh, one team of Kevin Burkhart, and I played a cut earlier, and Greg Olson, they're solid, but I haven't gotten past them as, you know, a, it's a big game. Like, they were the number one team for the 49ers and the Chiefs. I don't know. I just didn't get that feeling. Again, maybe that's a me problem. But I wanted to rank the broadcasters as a whole, but I, I'm just over – I'm underwhelmed with all these moves. I'll just say that as a general rule. Give me your thoughts, at John Lund Radio. So, Tariko Collinsworth, I'd put number one on Sunday Night Football – because I think Collinsworth is the number one analyst in all of football. I liked him better with Al Michaels. Maybe, again, that's a me problem because they were together for so many years. I love Mike Tirico. Uh, I worked with him in Michigan. He was on my show every single day when I was in – or, excuse me, every single week when I was in Detroit. Uh, he's a good friend of Greg Papa's. And he went to Syracuse like Greg did, and he comes on our show all the time. I love the versatility of Mike Tirico. He's done Olympics and Notre Dame and – golf and you know he's great it's nothing against Mike it was just he and Al had a special chemistry but I do like Mike Tirico and I think that's the number one team now number two might surprise you I love Kevin Harlan unabashedly and uh, I love him on the NBA love him on everything that he does I love his energy I wish they would actually unleash him more speaking of unleashed uh, Kevin Harlan uh, Trent Green the CBS 2 team I think is the second best Romo doesn't work at it anymore I don't know what you think but when Tony Romo first came on board and I, I know Tony a little bit because I worked with him in Dallas uh, on a uh, when he was the backup quarterback to Drew Bledsoe, and then he blew up, and he was the starter, and we did a show together. Um, Tony gets kind of bored by things. You know, he likes to golf. He likes to do a little bit of everything. He's passionate about golf. I don't know if he's passionate about football. Uh, he doesn't work at it. It doesn't seem like anymore. So I would put Harlan and Green out of Nance and Romo, who's the CBS number one team. Uh, third, I'd put Al Michaels in Herb Street. And, again, it's nothing against Herb Street. I just can't get past the fact that he's a college guy doing pro. But Al Michaels is Al Michaels. He's the best play-by-play guy out there, so I'd put him third. Um, I'm very fond of Ian Eagle, again, for from pers- from a, a personal standpoint. Comes on our show a lot. Another Syracuse guy with Greg. They're good friends, and he's hilarious. His son Noah, by the way, is a rising star. But Ian Eagle, Charles Davis, which is the CBS 3 team, uh, I would go them fourth. And then Buck and Aikman and Nance and Romo fifth, I would tie them, 5-T, 5-tie. Both have slipped, I think, because of the analysts. Uh, I have nothing against Joe Buck. A lot of people do, especially in the Bay Area. They don't like him. You know this story if you listen to my KMBR radio show with any regularity. Uh, Game one of the 2014 World Series against the Tigers, I'm sitting in the – I'm I'm working, and they stuck us up in this big auxiliary uh, media place, and that's fine. I don't care. I'm in the building. And Pablo Sandoval hits his third home run of the game. And the Giants fans start chanting, Joe Buck sucks. Joe Buck sucks. And I'm like, Pablo Sandoval just hit his third home run of the game. And the chant is, Joe Buck sucks. 
He had done a game earlier, I think it was Packers 49ers, and they showed him on a trolley car, which you can't get, and they were playing a candlestick at the time. You can't get candlestick to uh, <laughs> up to now what is now Oracle Park. It doesn't work, but it's not Joe Buck's fault. So everyone's, I don't know, people just don't like Joe Buck. It's fine. I have no issue with him. Uh, Buck and Aikman, Nance and Romo, like I said, uh, I just don't think that Aikman is, is where he used to be. I don't think that Romo's where he used to be, and it's nothing against Cowboys quarterbacks. That has nothing to do with it. I don't care where a guy played. If he's good and he's entertaining, that's all I care about. Uh, Aikman, to me, seems bored. Romo is clearly not interested anymore and doesn't work. Uh, so those are my top five. The worst to me, um, Steve Levy is a great guy. Had him on my show many times. Just not a fan of the booth of Levy, Riddick, and Orlovsky, and they give them some auxiliary games on ESPN, ABC. Uh, by the way, the gold standard is the Manning cast. Would you agree with that? Uh, and I think more and more, I talk about this all the time, I think more and more they should find people who can be on those kind of casts, those alternative casts. Although I did have a uh, TV and radio guy tell me that, you know, those things are expensive and they're not getting any more money advertising-wise for those things, which, look, if you can't sell the Manning cast, then I think something's wrong with you. But anyway, whatever. Uh, those are my NFL announcer rankings as of week eight. What do you think? At John Lund Radio. My overall thought is is that after all this shuffling uh, and all this money that was spent, it's just kind of meh. So we'll see. Maybe I'll get used to Herb Street. Maybe I'll like him better. Maybe I'll, you know, I don't, I don't know. But uh, that's where I am as far as broadcaster rankings are after all the shuffling of the offseason, and that is one for the road. And that is Unleashed, episode 33, the Tony Dorsett. Episode 33 for Friday, October 28, 2022. 49ers preview edition. Thanks for making Unleashed, Bay Area Sports Talk, your first stop each morning for Bay Area Sports. We drop it each weekday morning early. Please listen, subscribe, or get your favorite podcasts. Check me out on my day job, KNBR Radio in San Francisco from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Pacific. I am finishing up that studio, so the YouTube channel will launch next week or the week after, next 10 days. And I'll be on half pre and post this weekend from L.A. for 49ers and Rams. It's Unleashed, various sports talk with me, John Lund, episode 33 on the Locked On Podcast Network.